Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the great feast of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you may formally know this as Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi is just Greek for the body of Christ. It's the same feast. Now, it's interesting to know some background and history about this feast. It was actually instituted by Pope Urban in 1254, almost 800 years ago, for the express purpose of connecting this feast with our Mass, our liturgy. See, Pope Urban recognized just how important the body and blood of Christ is for us all as Catholics. We call ourselves a Eucharistic people because at the very heart of our faith is what we receive every time we come to Mass, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We, as Catholics, and this is what separates us from all other Christian faiths, we are the only Christian faith that truly believes in what we refer to as the transubstantiation, in which we recognize the bread and the wine is changed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is the most concrete reality of Jesus Christ in this world. And we truly believe what we receive at communion is his body and his blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Pope Urban, he was motivated by the convening of the Fourth Lateran Council, which took place just a few decades before he instituted this great feast. And the Fourth Lateran Council back then encouraged all Catholics around the world to receive communion once a year. Well, that all changed. It all changed with Pope Pius X at the turn of the 20th century. Pope Pius X said, no, that's not good enough. For all Catholics, we must receive the communion, Jesus' body and blood, once a week on weekends. And that tradition has continued on even to this day. We must continue to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ every week if we are expected to be in good standing with our church. Now, this feast properly orientates us to appreciate just how important the body and blood of Jesus Christ is in our faith lives. It is the greatest gift that God could ever give us after he ascended back into heaven, other than the Holy Spirit. And see, Pope Urban recognized that. Now, when he instituted this great feast, he proclaimed something that has echoed throughout the halls of our church for the centuries to come. He said, Lex orande, lex credende, which is Latin for the law of the prayer is the law of belief. What we truly pray is what we truly believe. And that is most evident and most clearly seen at the Mass. And see, Pope Urban recognized that. Now, we as Catholics believe that our Mass is the highest prayer that we can offer God. And at the same time, it is at Mass 
that we have the most concrete encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ in his body and blood. Now, granted, we encounter God in many different ways. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am present. So just by gathering at Mass, Christ is present through us. Christ is also present in sacred scripture. You can go out on a beautiful day, go out hiking in the woods, or you see a beautiful sunrise or sunset, and you feel the presence of God. Sure, the presence of God is there. Or you witness the birth of your child or grandchild. Well, yes, therein lies the presence of God. But our church teaches us the most concrete encounter that we can have with Jesus Christ the deepest reality in which we come to the greatest presence of Christ is in his body and blood that we receive at Mass. We recognize that when we come up to communion, we truly receive his body and his blood. It's not a symbol or a sign. It is what it is. That's why the Eucharistic minister will say to you, the body of Christ, you know, the blood of Christ, your response, amen. Amen comes from the Latin word amani, which means so be it. When you come up for communion and the Eucharistic minister says the body of Christ and you say amen, what you truly are saying is so be it. I truly believe that I am receiving the body of Christ. Now, what makes it that way? How does it happen? How does the bread and the wine change into the body and blood of Jesus Christ before our eyes? Well, it's the prayer of the consecration that the priest prays. It is at the consecration and that specific prayer that changes the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And in that prayer, it's the same prayer that Jesus Christ spoke when he celebrated the Last Supper and instituted the Mass that we know today. That's why when the priest holds up the bread and he says, take this, all of you, and eat it, for this is my body. He takes the chalice and says, take this, all of you, for this is the chalice of my blood. Well, those are the words of Jesus Christ. And those words have the power to change the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Remember what Pope Urban said, lex orande, lex credende. What we pray is exactly what we believe. Well, the priest prays that prayer and we believe that now the deepest reality is before us. It is his body and it is blood. Now you say to yourself, well, just how can that happen? I don't see the change. Well, this is very important for us to really understand. It's the words of Jesus Christ that make the change happen. We have to realize the words of God have a creative power associated with it. Great example of this. Go to the story of creation in Genesis. How does God create the world? Does he roll up his sleeves and create the world with his bare hands? Does he send his angels out and delegate the creation of our universe? He says to the angels, you know, I'm just too busy for this. You go ahead and do it yourself. No, he creates by his very word. God said, let there be light and there was light. God said, let the earth bring forth all the living creatures and the animals came into being. God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness, and humanity sprung into being. God's word has a creative power associated with it. So if God's word 
can create this entire universe as we know it, then the power of God's word, as a priest speaks it at the time of the consecration, changes the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, with that in mind, go into the gospel. Notice what Jesus says. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. Well, if what we receive at the time of communion at Mass is a mere symbol or a sign, well, then Jesus is deceiving us, isn't he? But he doesn't do that. That's not what he does. Jesus wants to give us life and life in abundance. If Jesus didn't want to give us life, he never would have first stripped himself of all of his glory and been born into this world. He never would have died an agonizing death for us all nor would he give us his body and blood to drink every time we gather for Mass. But Jesus wants us to have life, not just life in this world, but the world to come, the world we are all tending to, the world of heaven. Now, with that in mind, compare and contrast the first reading for this weekend's readings and the gospel. Don't make the mistake of thinking that they're one and the same story. In the first reading, we have that epic scene in which the Israelites are all gathered around Moses on the bank of the Jordan River. They finally have made it. All they know is they have to cross the Jordan River and then they're in the promised land. So they've met or they've completed their destination. Now Moses, he gathers them all up. And before they cross the river, he wants to let or remind the Israelites know everything that God has done for them. He tells them, as they wandered for 40 years in the desert, God fed them, nourished them, kept them alive, and then guided them to the promised land. Now, any of you who have ever been in a desert before knows it's a barren wasteland. There are very few plants or vegetation in desert, very few animals to eat, very little water. It's a place that has no life to it. And yet God gave them, the people, life. He nourished their bodies so that they could safely get to their destination, the promised land. But notice also, as Jesus says in the gospel, they died. Now compare that to the gospel. Jesus talks about giving us the Eucharist. The Eucharist, it nourishes not our bodies, but it nourishes our soul. It keeps us alive so that we now reach our destination. And our destination does not reside within this world, but instead the other world, the world we are all tending to, the world of heaven. And see, that's what the body and blood does. It helps us to reach that destination. More to it, Jesus says in the gospel, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Well, the more we eat Jesus's body and drink his blood, the more we grow in that image and likeness we are all created in the image and likeness of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. Well, this is exactly what the body and blood does for us, and nothing else can. It helps us to grow into that image and likeness we were all created in. Paul puts it the best in Galatians. Paul says, after we have eaten and drinken the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we become a new creation. See, St. Paul understood that. So did Pope Urban. Again, go back to that statement of Pope Urban. Lex orande, lex credende. What we truly pray is what we truly believe. 
What I would add is lex vivende. The law of the prayer is the law of the belief and the law of our living it out. What we pray is what we believe and now what we live out. The more and more we take in the body and blood of Jesus Christ, it transforms us little by little by little throughout our entire life so that we're growing into that image and likeness we're all created in. But more importantly, now we have to live out that image. Or maybe a better term is live into that image. If the Eucharist truly transforms us, and it does, then we're growing into that image and likeness of God. Therefore, we have to ask ourselves, or maybe a good gauge to see how we're doing in the spiritual life, ask ourselves, how well am I doing sacrificing myself for others in this world? Remember, every time we gather for Mass, we remember the great sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Yes, we remember the Last Supper that instituted our Mass, but we also remember the next day in which Jesus mounted the cross and sacrificed himself for us. Therefore, if we're growing into that image and likeness of Christ, then we must also sacrifice ourselves. I'm not saying that we have to mount a cross and die a death, but instead we sacrifice ourselves. Stewardship is a great example. We share our time and our talent and our treasure, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others, the benefit of our own faith communities. Those are the ways in which we sacrifice ourselves for others and for God in this world. Today, our church celebrates the great feast of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But this is a feast that we should celebrate every time we gather for Mass. Every time we gather for Mass, we pray exactly what we believe and we believe exactly what we are living out. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ Rest upon you always.